Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Bernice Bennett, and joining me today is James Morgan III for a discussion on finding my Nigerian homeland. James is an active and experienced genealogist and is a member of the James Dent Walker chapter of the African American Historical and Genealogical Society. He has presented at the 2016 International Black Genealogy Symposium as well as at the 2019 National Conference of the African American Historical and Genealogical Society. James serves as a contributing scholar to the Bishop Henry McNeil Turner Project and is the author of The Lost Empire, Black Freemasonry, in the Old West, from 1867 to 1906. James is a co-panelist on both Black Progen Live and the Prince Hall Think Tank, both of which can be found on YouTube. So let me just give a warm welcome back to James R. Morgan III to the show. Welcome, James. Uh, good afternoon, everybody, and I uh, hope everybody's staying safe during this uh, stay-in-place situation. Um, it's an honor to be back here for, I think this is the fourth time that we're uh, having, having this little party, so thank you for, for inviting me back. Well, yes, and James, I am really interested in your journey to find your Nigerian homeland. So, first of all, why Nigeria? Well, um like like a lot of people, um, as I got into my uh, genealogical um, journey, uh, I eventually came to the crossroads of uh, wanting to do a, a DNA test, you know, to find out, you know, get uh, where I came from and to get an ethnicity estimate or what have you. And um, at the time, the first uh, company that I tested with was uh, was Ancestry.com. And, um, you know, initially when I got my results back, you know, I was very excited. And um, while I did have uh, roots in a number of different countries in Africa, according to that test, uh, there was an overwhelming uh, percentage of my DNA that, that they said traced back to, the, to Nigeria or to that you know, general region. And based upon you know, my own research, particularly on my father's side, um, which I later I had both parents test uh, as well uh, later on, um, and I 
found my father's side was had a particular uh, genetic affinity with that region, which makes sense to me because in my research, what I found is that um, my father's family really didn't seem to go anywhere after arriving uh, to the United States from Africa. Um, my father's family is centered in southern uh, Virginia and northern North Carolina, uh, right along that you know that border region there. And it, you know I'm very big on tracing um, uh, clusters of Africans uh, and, and not just individuals. And so when you look at that region um, and find out what who were the people that were being brought there, uh, many of them originated in Nigeria. Um, I'm sure many people know about. The, um, the traditional um, uh, uh, Evo village that's in Virginia now, um, and, I, and there's a reason for that because that's how prevalent the uh, what we call Nigerians today. Uh, how how many of them were being brought to that region? So 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 it made sense to me that I would have uh, that type of genetic propensity, right? Um, later on, uh, and this is back in October of 2013, is when I got my DNA test done. Um, Later on, uh, in November of 2007, excuse me, November of 2016, um, I actually had a dream. Uh, believe it or not, um, I had this dream where I was in a big house that I'd never been to before, and uh, it was really hot. And it wasn't like a, it wasn't a uh, American style house. I knew I was somewhere else, and uh, I was walking around, and I could hear this this, this woman crying, and um, you know, I was wandering through the rooms trying to find this the sound, and I went into this big central room. It was very circular, and um, I saw this old couple crying, um, and this, this woman was just crying about her son and how her son was gone, and and the man wasn't saying anything. He just sat there, and I um, uh, you know, I could tell they couldn't. It, it felt like they couldn't see me, even though I was in there. But then I felt this woman grab my hand, or grab, or excuse me, grab my forearm. And um, I turned my head, and she looked at me and said, brother, and then I woke up. And so from that point, I said, you know what? It's time for me to go to Africa. Uh, I had been once before. Um, I did a study abroad trip in Egypt in 2010. So here we are six years later, and uh, I just kind of made a promise to myself that within the next year, I was going to make sure I got back uh, to Africa. And so, so I you know, started my journey. Okay, so tell us about that journey. Sure. Um, so the day that I woke up from this from this particular dream, um, I called um, a good friend of ours, um, Adab Anago Brown, who who is the um, uh, proprietor of Roots to Glory uh, Tours, uh, based based in Maryland. And she, uh, I told her, I said, Hey, Adab, you know, I've been talking to you for a while about wanting to go on one of your tours, um, but now you know, I think I'm ready, you know, to go. And um, you know, so I, you know, make sure we save the money up and all that good stuff and went and got the yellow fever shot, you know, make sure you, if you're traveling abroad, get your inoculations and all that stuff done. Um, and, uh, and we were off, um, so, uh, almost a year to the day. In fact, uh, in November of 2017, um, myself, uh, several others, um, including my, my girlfriend, uh, uh, Michael Tree, who's a good friend of ours as well. And a number of other people, we, we, uh, booked a tour and we went over to Nigeria. Uh, it was a, I think it was a 15-hour flight. <laughs> you had to transfer to Ethiopia, and then we, when we first um, landed in Nigeria, we ended up uh, in, in a, a predominantly Igbo region um, in, in Aguleri and Enugu. 
Um, we were the guests of um, His Majesty Chukwumeka Eri, who is the um, lead, who is the, 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 the titular head of the Igbo in that particular region. Um, and the interesting thing about these people was that they are uh, uh, a Nigerian Igbo group that actually makes claim to being uh, lineal descendants uh, to the biblical prophet Abraham through one of his grandsons whose name was Eri. And they, and they say that Eri came to Nigeria and brought the uh, uh, knowledge and the teachings of the, uh, the, the God of, uh, of Abraham to that particular part of Africa. And um, so, so the, one of the reasons why we were there was to celebrate the Eri Festival, which this, which this group of people has every year, and, um, and celebrate with them. And it was really an awesome time. Um, beyond that, you know, uh, we, we spent about, I can't remember how many days, we spent a number of days there. And um, it was really a life-changing experience for me um, because I had always wanted to, you know, go to, you know, go back to West Africa um, and get that experience and, um, and interact with the people. And, and I mean, just some of the, some of the best people I've ever met in my life, you know, from the youngest of the young to the old to the old, um, you know, we were received, we were welcomed. Um, you know, there was, there was some ritualistic uh, things that were done and, and everything, you know, there, there was music for everything, you know, and, and as somebody who um, has spent, you know, his entire life dreaming of being able to do something like that, it was really a, a life changing experience. Well, I want to know, when you uh, arrived in Nigeria, did you have this feeling of returning home? Um, absolutely. Um, you know, I am very big on um, faces. And, you know, I, I, I may not always remember a person's name, but I'm very good with faces. Um, and when I got there to Nigeria, um, one of the things that became very clear to me, you, you hear this a lot from African-Americans who, who go, um, everybody that you know of African descent in the Americas has at least one or two twins in Africa somewhere, you know. Um, and so when I got there, I mean, I distinctly remember um, on one of our drive-thrus, um, we were in um, Oshobo, and I distinctly remember seeing a guy that looked just like Michael Jordan on the side of the road selling hats. And I literally screamed. I was like, oh, my God, it's Michael Jordan, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you know, imagine that, you know. Um, imagine, you know, when we, we got to the city of Abimokuta, um, which is a, a predominantly Yoruba um, uh, region, um, you know, we got to meet the Oba, who is, who is the, the king, of, uh, the titular king of that area. Um, he uh, comes in, you know, with his, his entourage and his secretary, and his chief secretary looked like my father, you know. And, and I just, like, like, my jaw dropped. I was like, oh, my God, that's my dad. But it wasn't my dad, you know. Um, and, and a matter of fact, I will go on record to say, you know, even though I felt welcome everywhere, um, personally, when I was in the city of Abiokuta, I really felt at home because it, I, I felt like everybody in that city, like I looked like everybody in that city, which I, which I couldn't necessarily see for every other part that we visited. But when I was in Abiokuta, there was a very, very strong physical, um, you know, similarity between myself and my dad's side particularly and a lot of those people in that area. So, um, it, you know, it was definitely interesting. And then even seeing other, other things, uh, from, from a cultural perspective, you know, um, one of the things I think that was really life changing for me, I'm really, I really became, when we were um, 
in, in Ebo land, I really became like the center of attention for a lot of the kids. Like, you know, I guess that goes back to my old uh, summer camp counselor days. Um, and and when did the happening was, I basically organized a game of duck duck goose with these kids, right? And I don't I also don't think that they had ever played duck duck goose. I had to, like teach them, right? And the interesting thing about it was, you know, as I at once they started getting the rhythm of it. You know, you know how when you play duck duck goose and someone says goose and you chase somebody around. After yes. after doing that for a couple of times, these kids without anybody saying anything to them and I, and didn't formally organize it, they figured out this that was too boring for them. So they started a rhythm, a rhythmic chant in a class for when someone was chasing was when they were chasing each other around in a circle, which added a whole different dynamic to the game, <laughs> you know, and I was like, wow, you know, it, I mean, it just goes to show you how um, some things, you know, just, just, just genetic memory, I think, um, you know, how music, you know, in, in many other cultures, music informs war, it can inform, you know, dramatic pieces or have you, but when you look at the culture of young black people, young African people, um, music informs play. And, and that was something that definitely I could, you know, definitely relate to having once been a child myself. Well, James, now, as you uh, toured the various regions of Nigeria, did you mm-hmm. also explore where the slave trade took place? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, one of the places that we went to was, was the Dagri, and I have to give a, a shout-out to our, our tour guys. Uh, David and Anago, um, they were in Akin. They were they were very good. Um, Anago, uh, James Anago Brown, excuse me, James Anago, if I'm saying it correctly, he um, was actually voted the uh, one of the best tour guides in Nigeria. Um, and when we met up with him, we went, we went to Badagri, which was a major slave port um, in that area. Um, and that was, you know, as a as a person of African descent who has been a who's been to the Caribbean, you know, prior to this, right, and seen the slave castle there. Uh and then to go back to Africa and to consider that perhaps somebody did from my own bloodline, one of my direct ancestors, maybe more, may have actually passed through that particular space. And to see that this compound where, where, where countless people had been um, captured and brought to and then sold off, you know, uh, and to recognize the fact that, that the, the family, okay, of the man who once ran this place, okay, that they still were living there, still functioning as their home and, and as a museum and as a cultural site. Reminds me that that this stuff wasn't that long ago, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it was really you know eye opening because it's like you know, I mean we talk about I mean it, we, we think about how slavery has affected us on this side of the Atlantic Ocean, but I think that we also would be well served to think about how it affected the people who were left behind in Africa as well. And not just the families of those who were, um, who were, who were taken, but even think about those people who were involved in the selling of their own kith and kin. 
Um, I think that's also something that's very important that we need to, you know, kind of consider uh, as well in, in our study and in our travels. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these people were related. The relationships were very complicated. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not always a clear black and white issue um, as well. Um, even though it's painful to deal with and to go back and look at, I think it's something that we, that we need to do. Um, and, and, and being in an African slave port that was run by an African person, you know, primarily, um, it definitely gave me, you know, mixed, mixed emotions. Um, and by the way, the, the name of the man who, um, who, who ran that uh, particular place uh, was um, Sadiq, uh, Chief Sariki Williams Abbas. Um, he actually was a Muslim from that region who had been taken over to South America um, and as a slave. And because of his honesty and integrity, blah, 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 uh, his owner actually told him that he could bring him back to Africa if he would promise to work as an agent for him. And because he knew this man to be, you know, a man of his word, uh, he, you know, they came to an agreement. And, you know, that's how that how that support basically got set up. Um, so just, just, just a really per, uh, complicated and perplexing story by our modern standards, um, but one that's true nonetheless. So you mentioned earlier that you had taken a DNA test. Have mm-hmm. you now found any Nigerian cousins? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I actually found um, uh, uh, several people, um, uh, believe it or not, uh, many of whom were from the area um, in Nigeria where I first touched down, um, uh, in, in the city of, uh, of Aweri, um, in, in Imo State, uh, that region of Nigeria. Um, more recently, I actually got in touch with a with a DNA match of mine who's based in England. Who actually, I again, we we have a, a physical resemblance. Um, and when I we were talking, and I was telling him that I had been to Nigeria, and I had visited, and that you know I had visited um, Enugu. He goes, "Oh, that's where I'm from. My family's from there." And I'm like, "What? That was the that was the very first place that we basically went, you know." Um, so so you know, imagine even though I didn't fully know it at the time. I mean, I claimed it like, you know, hey, I'm home, you know, in a very broad brush, generic way. You know, at the time, I didn't know I had any DNA matches in right there in that area. But, you know, imagine that, you know, uh, um, I I can only imagine the joy that my own ancestors might have felt knowing that at least one of their descendants eventually was able to touch that ground again, you know. And, And I do have a, um, a a bottle of um, of soil that I brought back with me, um, you know, from the different places that I visited, and one of those places obviously would be there in Enugu. Um, so so it's been truly truly humbling, um, and I've I've touched base with a couple of others, uh, usually like I said, usually based in the UK um, or can a couple in Canada um, as well, and um, and they've been very receptive. Um, I think overall of of, of me and my journey. And, um, you know, it's just putting those missing pieces together to try to match the narratives. You know, that's the that's the part that makes you pull your hair out, you know. Right, right. So if you had to uh, make a decision to go back to Nigeria, would you do it? Oh, in a heartbeat, in a, in a heartbeat. Um, you know, I, I 
definitely, you know, I loved going to Nigeria the way that we went. Cause we, I, I don't want to say backpacking, but we basically did like a tour of different parts of the country and different cities, what have you. And I would love to go back, you know, maybe for the same amount of time. I was there for about two weeks. Um, I'd love to go back for a similar amount of time and maybe just be in one place to get a deeper mm-hmm. experience of an individual place instead of always having to go, you know, around and around, you know, to, to different places. But, um, you know, but, but I would absolutely, and I wouldn't change anything about the trip that I took, you know, for the world because even now I have a, a Nigerian coworker and I remember when I got back and told her where I had been and stuff, she was like, man, you've been all over the place. You've been more places than I've been. And I said, well, yeah, this is, you know, I'm serious. I, I really was very serious about going um, and, and seeing the people, you know, and, and that's why I appreciated Ada Brown um, and Rooster Boy so much because I know that she takes that seriously as well. Let me just say one more thing. Go back to your question about, about the concept of home. Right? Um, I think it's clear that those of us who were taken away from Africa and those who remained, um, we kind of view Africa in a different way, right? It's not that anyone's mm-hmm. way is better or worse. It's just different experiences, right? Um, the thing that I would say that that I think people need to understand about the African American, and by American, I don't just mean the United States. I mean North, Central, and South, right? Um, the concept of home means something different when you don't have one. Mm-hmm. Right, um, we we know the history of African Americans here in the United States, other places having dealt with segregation and slavery, et cetera, um, all form all different types of forms of discrimination, um, and the idea of being in a place. This is where you know Africa is where not just Black people. Africa is where people come from. The entire human race really is African. It just we just come in different flavors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> The idea of coming from a place, you know, the place of my birth where, you know, police brutality and whatnot is a, is a fact of life, and then going to Africa, and for the first time in my life, I saw a police officer pull a, pull a driver over, and I did not have to consider that that might be a life-threatening situation for that driver. Mm-hmm. The thought didn't even cross my mind, and I actually said, verbalized that. With, with with the group that I was with while we were driving, I said, I said hey, "Did y'all see that? You know, did anybody? It didn't it didn't even ring a bell in my mind like it normally does here in the United States. Um, you know, I, I that that's an experience I would love to have again because it really made me feel like a fuller human being. Wow. So tell us before we close out what you would consider some lessons learned. Hmm. Lessons learned. Well, I would say um, the main lesson would be that I think, you know, Africans around the world, um, you know, we're we're very different. We have there's a variety, um, but there is cultural commonplace, um, and I think that if we focus on unity and not the divisions, that we can definitely uh, continue to be the world-changing force that we always have been. Um, you know, personally, I felt that when I, um, when I first got to Africa, I never, really felt, I never felt more American than when I first got to Africa. Um, but I never felt more African than when I was getting ready to leave. Um, the idea of hmm. bowing, 
you know, the idea of bowing to a traditional leader, right? Um, you know, here in America, we say, you know, respect your elders and stuff like that, but it's not, it's not law. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not something that, you know, over, you know, over in Africa, you go to certain places, you know, hey, you need to understand that this person has been on the planet long before you and therefore is not only entitled to a certain level of respect, but will be given such. And, and for myself, at the time I was in my, my late 20s, and I'm 30, now I'm 30 years old, um, to be in a position as an adult where all the children in the area you know, understand that, okay, this, 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 is, this is a man, and we have to respect him. We have to you – know, th- there was a different level there, and I think that some of that is something that maybe we need to kind of bring back with us here as well. Um, in terms of respect mm-hmm. for elders and for the youth as well. It's not just about the youth battling down. It's about the youth apprenticing in this thing we call life and learning how to take it to the next, you know, the next level of the race. Um, and last, I would say one of the big lessons I learned was an appreciation for West African and Nigerian food, you know, overall. Um, you know, we definitely uh, ate a lot of different styles of, of igusi and jollof rice and all these different things, um, some of which – I definitely could relate to from, from my own, you know, kind of culinary experience. And I was blessed that we had, you know, my friend Michael Twitty as one of our uh, uh, fellow travelers, right? So, we, so we, got to, we got to experience food in a, in, a, in, a, in a more intellectual way than I think a lot of times people do. Um, but also I, I, I learned about why I like certain things and why certain things over there I, I did not like, you know. And there's a history, there's mm-hmm. a historical reason why our palates are a certain way. Um, so, I, so I'm always grateful to Michael for that um, as well. So it's just, you know, there's a number of other things I could say, but, but I'll just kind of, you know, end it there. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your experience of finding your Nigerian homeland. And for others, I hope to hear from you because this is just an interesting experience of people going back going back to where their ancestors are from. So James Morgan III, uh, have a great day. And everyone, I look forward to you joining me for the next show. Goodbye, James. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.